What is up, guys? You are listening to the Montreal Madness Podcast with your host, Tony Montreal. What is up, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. Uh, I do want to make clear, though, that uh, due to technical difficulties, and by that I mean I forgot to pay my yearly subscription for my podcast website I use to upload everything. Um, so last week's episode, even though it was recorded, it was not posted. I apologize about that. But uh, here for me today, uh, we have Corey um, back as usual. Um, so I want you to answer me something really quick, Corey. So uh, you know, from 2004 to 2010, the Steelers went to four AFC title games. They won four divisional titles. They went to three Super Bowls and won two of them. You'd consider that a dynasty, right? Yeah, yeah. If I mean, unless you want to be nitpicky, but I mean, I'm not yeah, really, like yeah, you'd say that's a dynasty. Okay, all right. So between 2004 and 2010, uh, name me some players off those teams. You know, like notable guys. You know, you would know as an outside fan. Um, you know, let's try to get the ten. If that's easy, we might do a couple more players. So go uh, ahead. Boy, you you had your your Ben, your Big Ben, Hines, Ward, Willie Parker, Randall. Uh, on the defense, you had like Joey Porter, James Harrison was probably in there. Um, was Cam Hayward there yet, or was he later? No, he was he not was there. Later? I thought so. Uh, who else was there? I lack on the defensive side. Palomalu. Palomalu, yeah, can't can't forget about him. Um, that's probably about. I was still young at that time. <laughs> okay, all right, seven players. Okay, I'll add a couple more in here. Okay, you had Aaron Smith. You had um. Lamar Woodley, you had um, Ryan Clark, uh, you know, so there's 10 right there, okay? So what I'm trying to get at is, of those 10 players that we just mentioned here, uh, eight, or nine, I'm sorry, nine of those players we just mentioned um, were all part of Bill Cowher's team and culture, especially the important ones that you just mentioned, like Big Ben, like Heinz Ward, Troy Polamalu, James Harrison, like those notable key guys, like I can throw in guys like James Ferrier, staple in defense, I mean that middle linebacker position, um, you know, so you just go on and on and on, and, uh, you know, Cower from that dynasty, um, that seven-year stretch I talked about, Cower coached three years, and Tomlin coached the last four years of that stretch, okay? But 95% of that roster, and more importantly, that already team culture, and you have all those, you know, veteran players already, um, you know, Tomlin is thrown into a situation where, you know, he had all of that. He had good ownership, you know. He had already good assistants. Dick LeBeau, Hall of Famer with for both as a player and a coach, okay. He made the Hall of Fame twice, basically. Um, you know, he had great people surrounding him with a roster already complete for him. Didn't have to draft a QB or anything. And he had that team culture with the veteran leadership already in there, okay. Ever since all those people are gone, you know, Dick LeBeau left, his assistants left. Um, all those key guys we just mentioned outside of Big Ben, they all left, which means from around 2011, 2012, till the present day, um, it's been all Tomlin's team, and every part of the DNA of this Steelers team from, you know, the last 10, 11 years uh, has Tomlin's fingerprints all over it, okay? Um, so going back to Sunday, um, you know, it's like clockwork with the Steelers, okay? You know? They lost to the Bills, you know, one and done, still without a playoff win for now seven straight years. And the reason why I said all this um, to begin the show with is because I think uh, 
Too many people, I'm seeing this all the time on X and just everywhere else, everybody in the national media defending Tomlin. You know, every part of this team has his DNA on it. He is a decision maker when it comes to uh, the draft, free agency, trades. Every part of the Steelers um, roster and the makeup and everything, he has everything to do with it. He is a pure decision maker in all those aspects. Um, So why in the hell is Mike Tomlin getting a pass for yet another winless playoff season, Corey? Because he didn't have a losing record. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's the only excuse you can give him at this point is he gets to the playoffs. He doesn't, he does well in the regular season. But I mean, as you said before, and as we cover on the show, it's all right to do well in the regular season, make the playoffs, but losing in the first round constantly gets old. Um, you hear a lot of talk going on this week, like with the uh, Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, he's won 12-5 and five, three straight years, but Jerry Jones might be forced to make a change because he's not happy with 12-5 and five and losing in the first round of the playoffs every year. But with the Steelers, it's kind of like, eh, well, at least we made it. We're happy to be there. And that seems to be the mentality around the organization right now. And it's, and it's, and it's excuses left and right from, oh, it doesn't have a quarterback. Oh, it's been because of injuries and this and that. I mean, we have a seven-year sample now, guys. You can't blame every single season based on bad luck and injuries. You can't. It's too big of a sample size to just equate all that to bad luck and injuries. You know? And like I said before, you know, you talk about a bad quarterback situation. We'll get into that a little bit here in the podcast uh, specifically. But, like, he had his fingerprints all over that decision to draft Kenny Pickett. And it turned out to be a flub because you had your third-string quarterback playing over a healthy uh Kenny Pickett, you know, your first-round draft pick, you know, you expect him to be your um, franchise quarterback and your uh, heir to Ben and everything like that. Um, you know, if he is that guy, you don't start Mason Rudolph, even though he has a hot hand over him. You yeah, know what I mean? if Joe Burrow comes back healthy, you're not playing Jake Browning Exactly, over exactly. Even if Jake Browning made the playoffs, you know, even maybe won a couple playoff games, you're not starting yeah. Jake Browning over Joe Burrow, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it's just it just baffles me that we're at this point right now. And, um, you know, we've had a couple Steelers, notably Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, in their exit interviews with the press uh, the day after the loss of the Bills. Uh, T.J. specifically um, said that, you know, he had in his contract talks that he didn't want to play for any other coach but Mike Tomlin, and that was a big factor in his uh, contract negotiations. Well, I tell you what, piss on T.J. even. You know, the guy, he's played in three playoff games, one sack, that's it. Now, I'm not denying he's not a great defensive player. He's one of the best in the league, if not the best defensive player in the league. But what has that produced when it matters most, Corey? Like, you know what I mean? It hasn't produced jack shit, you know? Like, this isn't the early 2000s where a guy like Ray Lewis can, you know, dominate, you know, and single-handedly take over, you know, games and stuff, especially in the postseason when it matters. This isn't it. It's all run by the quarterback. It's all run by the offense. And if you want to have a good defense anymore, it's, it's, it has to be a defense by committee. It can't be centered around one guy on defense. Yeah, you know. Another thing, touching on a TJ here, but they say the best ability is availability, and that seems to be something Y has struggled with in the past, and even with this playoff game, biggest game of the season, he got hurt. And I understand the Steelers had to win, but they were probably going to win that game anyway. He got hurt and was essentially a meaningless game. Yeah. 
it, like, so you lose him for your biggest game of the season then, which mm-hmm. is just terrible. And then two years, yeah, not this year, but last year, he missed, like, what, 10 games or something like that? Yeah. Missed a ton of time. He's had injury problems in the past. You need him on the field. Um, and it does it does hurt the Steelers that he's their biggest game changer. He's their biggest X And he's an edge rusher. You need that to yeah. be your quarterback. Yeah. Or at least have a, you know, like, you have to have a group that's elite. You know what I mean? Like a group of defensive linemen that's, that's elite. A group of offensive linemen that's elite. You know, a group of uh, a secondary, you know, uh, your DBs and your safeties. They have to be elite. You know, you have to have positional groups that are elite outside of the quarterback. But your quarterback has to be elite, elite and then at least one position group that has to be elite in order to be really competitive in the, NFL, in the NFL. And the Steelers have neither. You know, they have three notable players on their team, basically. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt. what, 36? <laughs> yeah, he needs 36 years old. And then Minka. And, you know. Even Minka he, yeah, he's, is he's, not a, that impressive He's re, He's regarded as his top safety in the league. Look how many blown tackles he made in that game. He's supposed to be a leader on defense. Well, I mean, he was the first guy to hit Shakir on that touchdown. Yep, he tried to arm exactly. tackle him, and just Shakir wiggled him off and ran into the end zone. And if you go back to the long Josh Allen touchdown run, Mink is just jogging at him. He's not even trying to go after him. He's just, you know, like on that play, he was like he was just along for the ride. He had a chance to attempt to make a play, at least. Not saying he makes a tackle, but he had a chance to at least attempt to make something happen. And he chose not to for whatever reason. You go back and watch the replay, look for number 39, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I still um, think that the Steelers messed up that trade for him whenever they gave away a first for him because the Rams gave away basically the same amount of value to get Jalen Ramsey. And, I mean, I think if the Steelers had Jalen Ramsey, holy shit. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is another level of defensive player. I mean, you have him on one side, then Porter on the other side. Yeah. I like, mean, that's an elite secondary, you know, outside secondary tandem right there. Yeah, I think – I. I said it back whenever they did, whenever they made the trade. I was like, Rams got Jalen Ramsey for the same price. I would take Jalen Ramsey ten times out of ten. Like, a safety is much easier to cover up whenever the position's bad than a corner. If your corners are bad and they're getting torched, it makes for a long season. Yeah, I guess my whole point here uh, about talking about these, you know, very good players. I'm not denying that TJ, like I said, he's an elite edge rusher. Okay, I guess what I'm trying to get at is here, they're not winning. With those guys, anyhow, in the playoffs, you know, each of those guys I said, they have a combined three playoff wins, and that's all from Cam, <laughs> back when Big Ben was still in his prime. Um, so what I'm getting at here is, I really think after this loss to the Bills, it's about time the Steelers just blow it the F up. I think it's about that time. You know, they're not getting a, you know, a franchise quarterback can make up for all that stuff. You know, a guy like Josh Allen, who we just witnessed. The Steelers need that in order to mask most of the problems, and they're not getting that anytime soon. Well, they're not getting that in this year's draft. They're not getting it by a miracle trade or free agency or whatever. Uh, I'll let you talk here, Corey. Well, but I, I, I was just going to say, like, being a Charger fan, team overall not very good this year, but having Justin Herbert just gives you hope for next year. Be like, if Herbert has elite play, the team should be good. Exactly. Like, and he's just healthy, looking forward he can, to him. He can mask a lot of problems. Yes. Looking forward to him. I mean, he did. he's done it. What, this was his fourth year? He did it his rookie year. I mean, he we went, like, I think six and nine, but he, rookie of the year, had great play. Then his next two years, we should we were playoff team one year, should have been playoff team the other year. But, I mean, roster wasn't fantastic, but he made up for it because he's an elite quarterback. Exactly. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying Herbert's, you know, he should be MVP every year, but he's definitely a top five, top six quarterback in the yeah. league. Yeah. Um, so, and so the Steelers, they're not getting that type of caliber of a quarterback 
anytime soon. And Pickett is not and will never be that type of quarterback. You know, he's shown too much to, you know, say that he can be like one of those guys. No. For those guys, all it took for them was a max two years uh, to find to find their rhythm in the NFL. And, you know, it's been two years now Pickett, and he hasn't shown jack shit, regardless of whether Matt Canada was his quarterback or coordinator or not. And on top of it, he's had a couple injury problems. Yeah, exactly. So. Always concussed. He's small. Um, when he takes a hit, you know, he can't just get up from it. He's always hurt after um, he gets sacked or gets hit hard or whatever, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, saying all that, no, it might be dramatic here, but seven years is far too long to keep putting up with this shit. Um, I'd honestly think about blowing it up, uh, you know, get rid of TJ. You know, Cam's getting old. Just cut him right now. I, and Get rid of Minka, trade him for whatever, and actually have a rebuild. Because what you're doing right now is not working. Um, I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw a quote from uh, Jerry West, uh, late owner of the Lakers. Mm-hmm. He said, the worst place in sports to be is the middle. Because if you're on the top, you're competing with the best Amen. of them, you're in a good spot. If you're on the bottom, you know you have to rebuild. If you're a middling team where you're close to the playoffs or you squeak into the playoffs, you don't know what to do because you're good, but you're not top tier good, and you're not bottom tier bad to where you should blow everything up. Exactly. It's a tough spot to be. So it is, a lot of decisions have to come for the Steelers. Who knows what they'll be in the next coming months? But if they blow it up, I'd be surprised. I know. I mean, I would be too, honestly. Um, you know, as much as I distrust Tomlin. Uh, I really have a lot of faith in um, Omar Khan, the Steelers' new GM. Um, I've talked about that on the show before. Uh, it's a killer, amazing draft um, that he put together. And, um, you know, I feel like he's the right man for the job. Whether he'll blow it up, um, I, I highly doubt he'll drastically blow it up. I can see Omar Khan, though, making a couple moves that, you know, a lot of fans, it'll surprise a lot of fans. It's just... Uh, let's just say that much. Um, like, I could actually see them going out and getting a guy like Justin Fields. You know, something you would never seen in the old regime. What, personally, what do you think, um, well, I think first we should just cover a little bit of the game, and then we'll talk about All what right. they should do in the offseason. Right. Not much to talk about, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the start of the game was bad for them, clearly. They had first drive, they got first down, then had to punt. And the Bills just walk down the field, score a touchdown. Then George Pickens has that unfortunate fumble, but, I mean, it is a fumble. And then first play, Josh Allen touchdown. Then, I mean, you're moving down the field. You had a fumble, which Steelers were lucky to get away with that yeah, one. I, I thought that lucky. was a fumble, uh, and the Bills had it, but refs thought otherwise. And then you get you work your whole way down the field just for real throw pick in the end zone. Yeah, hurts. Well, the last five playoff losses um, that the Steelers have had since they won their last playoff game, which is back in the 2016 season, um, they've been down by 14 points or more at half in every single one of those games. I think, I think it was on a McAfee. They were saying that this past game against the Bills, I think, was the least amount of points they've allowed in a playoff game since 16. Which is crazy yep. that they've that's given the up, least amount. They've given up 31, 38, and then the three other games they were in the uh, they gave up forty or more points. That is that's bad defense. And Steelers usually pride themselves on some hard defense. Yep, and again, that's supposed to be a Mike Tomlin specialty. He's supposed to be this defensive guru. You know, he's a defensive minded head coach first and foremost. 
And, you know, I've seen Belichick teams over the years where they don't have any studs on defense and they're succumb to injuries, and yet they're able to produce on defense. Uh, I've seen the Bills, uh, matter of fact, they are ravished on defensive injuries. They have their top DB out for the whole year. They had their middle line, or yeah, middle linebacker Milano out um, basically since the middle part of the year and up until now he's been out. Um, they've had a couple defensive linemen out, and they're down to like their third and fourth string linebackers just like we are. Yet, they're able to produce week in and week out. So, what's the difference? What's the common denominator there? This is what I get so <laughs> fed up with, and I still see people just, you know, coming up with every excuse out of the book to say how it's not Tomlin's fault. Oh, it pisses me off. Yeah, um, then second half, well, end of the first half, Steelers block that field goal, get some momentum, get a touchdown off of it. Yeah, one, whenever they block that kick, I'm sitting at work and I'm like, this is it. And I was like, here we fucking go. I was like, the Steelers are going to turn this game around somehow. After being dog shit for the first first one and a half quarters, they're going to turn this game around yep. somehow. And they're going to make it close. And I mean, they did make it fairly close there for a little bit, but the Bills just have too much talent, too much quality. They pulled away, won the game like they should have. Um, how do you feel about the uh, Tomlin walking out of the press conference? Completely situation? dick move. You know, as a former re- you know journalist myself, you know, I was a sports reporter for about a year and a half there. I uh, went to school for it, so I feel like I know at least a little bit of what I'm talking about here. You're supposed to ask the tough questions as a reporter. It might not be convenient for whoever you're interviewing. That's not the point. The point is you have, you know, you want to get your story out, and you have your listeners or your, you know, your viewers or whatever, um, your readers, um, you know, you're writing for them. And... Basically, they want to know, your viewership wants to know, oh, hey, I've, you know, Mike Tomlin has a year left. Will he come back? There's been rumors about you know, how he might take a year off or whatever. You have, have to, as a reporter, ask the tough questions, and that's exactly what that reporter did. And Tomlin just was being an arrogant, egotistical asshole, thinks he's holier than thou, and walked out. Yeah, I think that was Bush League. That's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it was the end of the press conference, obviously. They asked a like, final question to Reverend. She came up with that question. I mean, how hard is it, instead of Tomlin walking out halfway through a question, how hard is it just be like, no comment at that question for this time? Exactly. Just like, say, not... be a professional and yeah, just, say some, just say something politically correct. That's all you have to do. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to just walk out. I mean, I'm sure she probably felt bad. She probably thought she did something wrong. Or, I mean, she just asked a question. That's all she did. Exactly. It's, it takes you just as much time to say no comment as it does for you to walk out of the room. Yep, and be like, a dick. Because, oh, I'm Mike Tomlin. Oh, how dare you ask me a question like that? He can piss off. <laughs> Um, shit, I had something in mind, and fucking Tomlin just, oh. (laughs) (laughs) It really got got you going. You lost your train of thought. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, in the second half, Corey, you're right. They did make a little bit of comeback there. Um, you can just tell, though, just the Bills are just a better team. Yeah. There's, uh, before the game started, um, I think it started at 4.30. I got off of work at 4, so I was listening to the Pittsburgh pregame on the radio. And the one guy on there, they, they were making their final predictions for the game. And he said it best, you know, if this was Ben Roethlisberger uh, playing against the Mason Rudolph, you're picking Ben Roethlisberger 10 times out of 10. But this time it's Josh Allen playing against Mason Rudolph, you yeah. know. So uh, you've got to take Josh Allen 10 yeah, times out of 10. Yeah, someone who's arguably, like, talent, quarterback talent-wise, better than Ben ever was. Like, yeah. Um, I won't go that far for you. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. As a, as a pure quarterback, Josh Allen's a freak. He, so he's got Ben. A, yeah, but Josh Allen's got canner of an arm. He can run. So was Ben. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, and I mean, more athletic version. Let's, we can agree on that. More athletic version. Um, we talked about in the 
last episode that didn't get posted. The keys to the game were gonna for the Steelers were gonna be time of possession uh, and turnovers, and they lost both of those. They didn't yep. win the turnover battle, and they had less time of possession than the Bills. So I mean, right there, you knew it was gonna be bad for them. Yep. So and uh, it was tough. You know, we we talked about you know they had to have a successful run game, and they were for the most part they were stopped. Najee Harris couldn't get the uh, um, the ground running, and I'm tired of this freaking excuse to where. The reason why Najee, he can't find holes, he can't pick up yards on a consistent basis is because that the other team, the other defense, loads the box with, you know, eight guys. And what baffles me is the best running backs um, as of recent. I can think of two off the top of my head. Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. They were both running backs on teams where they didn't have elite quarterback play, far from it. The other team knew they didn't have a passing attack, and they can crowd the box with, you know, eight guys in there. Guess what? Those two running backs still get around a hundred or around a hundred yards a game consistently on a consistent basis. Najee can't do that. You know, I'm tired of that excuse of that eight. Oh, he can't run because of eight men in the box and blah 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 blah. No, if he's a good running back, he should be able to make holes for himself and you know get the yards like those other two running backs I just mentioned. And he's some, not capable of that. I think some of that's on the offensive line as well. They can't create the holes super well. Uh, Ed Oliver was taking up the center in the what, your right guard the whole game by himself. So, I mean, right there leaves about one-on-one matchup for all the other linemen. And then if there's a blitzer, he should be free in theory. Um, I think that was really tough for him. The Bills' defensive line just dominated the line of scrimmage, made it tough for Najee. And you saw Warren getting some yards here and there. He's just a little bit more shifty. Exactly. He explodes through the hole. He's more quick. And for his size, he's still able to bounce off defenders. And Najee... Had more touches than Warren, and it it just it baffles me to you know you, you know if we can see it on our TV watching it, the coaches on the field have to be you know cognizant of that, and yet they uh, had Najee touch the ball more than Warren. Whenever Warren was showing you that he was picking up more yards on fewer touches than Harris, I that part baffled me. <laughs> yeah, but overall, it turned out to be a fairly decent game. Um, that second half comeback made things interesting, but I was upset. I lost my bet. Fuck. I had, what was it? Had Josh Allen over 19 and a half completions, Warren over 35 and a half rushing yards, uh, Dalton Kincaid anytime touchdown scorer. Yep. And then I had, uh, the part that didn't hit was James Cook, uh, 100 plus rushing, uh, and receiving yards. At 86 total. Oh, missed it by 14. Ooh. Yep, fucking $10 will want me to, like 240. Oh, that fucking hurt. Yeah, I 14 picked, yards. I picked the Cowboys to cover last week. Yeah. <laughs> that game still. That. The NFL just fucking confuses me. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But you have two historically good defenses in the Browns and the Cowboys, and now they can't play defense in the playoffs. Make it make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and especially the Browns. Oh, by the way, you owe me money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Whenever you texted me, I was on the way to Rocky Gap, and I was like, oh, God, the game must be over. <laughs> I looked at my phone, so I was like 45-14 at the start of the fourth. I was like, Jesus Christ, what happened? You know, I had a hunch that the Browns were going to lose. Obviously, it's why I made the bet, but I didn't think they'd get blown up by a rookie quarterback. No. I mean, C.J. Stroud looked good, but shit, he didn't really have to do much after the first half. Flacco threw no. two pick sixes in the second half. Killed, they killed themselves. I told you Flacco was going to come back to earth. Uh, I just didn't <laughs> think it'd be against Texans. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, let's just elaborate a little bit more on that, what the Steelers do next year. Yeah. Uh, 
what do you, I mean, outside of the obvious, um, you know, they're they're in a higher new OC. Um, what do you think? Um, they're what do you think basically they'll do in the offseason? Do you think they'll go out and get like you know make a trade for Justin Fields or get a guy like Kirk Cousins on the free agent market, or do you think they go status quo and ro- roll with Kenny Pickett and or Mason? I I think Mason goes to a new team. I don't think after he went what three and zero made a, made the playoffs. And you could say he gave his team a chance in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to want to come back to Pittsburgh and be a backup. Um, I think he's going to want to go to a team and try and compete for the starting job. And, I mean, he could do that in Pittsburgh, but it's going to be on less money because I don't think they're quite ready to give up on Kenny yet. He's a first-round quarterback. He's getting paid a decent amount of money. So I don't think they're quite ready to give up on him yet, especially since he'll be getting a new offense coordinator. This will really be the year that he's away from Matt Canada, he'll have a full season under a new offense. Um, if he doesn't turn around this coming season, then I think he'll be done. So, honestly, I don't expect them to go out and get a Fields or, like, a Russell Wilson, a Kirk Cousins. I don't expect that from him. I really don't. Um, I think they need a little bit more defensive work. Defense and offensive line they could use some help on because everything else they can fall in place. Um, if you get a good, if you have a good pass rush, your defensive backs obviously play better because they're playing against a scared, under pressure quarterback. Um, if they build the offensive line a little bit, your running backs will get better. Kenny will get more time back there. Will make the receivers look better. So I think they got to build up front first before they do anything else. So I think a guard or tackle should be their priority in the draft slash off season. Mm-hmm. So my whole like one of my big reasons why I think the Steelers should just blow it up. You know, um, you have good value in the team. Like, like you're saying, like if you blow it up, if you trade TJ, you're yeah. getting a one oh, okay. to two I see what first. You're yeah, you trade Minka, you're getting a second at the worst. Yeah. So I mean, you have value in players. Then you cut the Cam, you're saving all that cap money to go out and actually get a legitimate free agent. Maybe overpay for him a little bit, but hey, you have the cap money to do it. Yeah, I think Cam's supposed to get paid like twenty four to twenty six million this 22. year. Twenty two. Twenty two million. Yeah. But if you cut him, it's like a six million cap hit. Shit, you're saving yourself 18 mil. Exactly. Um, so, Steelers have a lot of holes on this team that um, that they need to figure out, you know, immediately. So, they uh, they need a center. You're the, the center is your most integral part in the offensive line because it's, it's the anchor. You know what I mean? They do all the blitz reads and all that stuff. Um, they touch the ball every play. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we'll, we already seen it Mason Cole. You know, he has uh, the yips when it comes to snapping sometimes. Um, so you need a center that's reliable too. Um, they need a center. They need a, and they need a right tackle on offense. You know, Broderick um, played right tackle this year because for whatever reason, Mike Common loves Dan Moore. Uh, another thing that baffles me. But you know, more likely than not, Dan Moore is going to be gone. Chooks uh, a core for the guy that got benched for Broderick Jones on the right side. Broderick's going to move to the left, so there's an open hole on the right side of your offensive line. You, you, you need that covered. Uh, you know, you signed all those linebackers last year, and two of them had significant knee injuries. So you don't know what their health is like. You got to draft the middle linebacker. Um, you have to have safety help outside of Minka, and he's been overrated the past couple of years here. You're going to need to upgrade the safety position, uh, and you need somebody to play along Jerry Porter in the opposite side of the field. Um, and your defensive line um, is going to have a lot of holes in it because Cam Award, he's going to, whether he stays at the Steelers or not, he only has a year or two left in his body. Um, 
you're going to need to upgrade the defensive line, too. So they have so many holes in order to be a truly competitive team where they don't get shit stomped in the playoffs in the wild card round every year. Um, and what helps that? You're getting draft capital for all those guys that I mentioned earlier in the show, like TJ and Minka, and then maybe trade off either Deontay or George Pickens, try to get that headache, that cancer out of your locker room. Um, you know, that shit's real, too. You know, you don't want those types of, like, too many of those types of attitudes in your locker room. Um, so you can get rid of one of those two and get a couple draft picks for them. Um, you know, so you have options to make your team better in the future because I'm one of those fans where, I don't know about you, Corey, I want to see a dynasty run. You know, I don't want to just a one-and-done year and we're back to being shit. You know, I want to, you know, as a fan, Everyone I want that continued success. Right now. Yeah, what the Steelers did for that seven-year stretch from 2004 to 2010. Yeah. That's what I want. Um, and this team is far from that. Um, so, yeah, call it knee-jerk reaction all you want or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, call me crazy, but I think that's the, that's the smart way to go in order to have future success and sustained uh, future success. Yeah. Um, what's your – I know season just ended. We're not even done with the Super Bowl yet. A lot has to happen still. But what's your – What's a bold prediction that you have just after Wild Card Weekend? Well, yeah, obviously. What's a bold prediction that the Steelers will do in the offseason? Uh, Hot take, you could say. A bold prediction? Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, I don't think this will happen, but I I could see a scenario to where uh, the, uh, the Steelers uh, trade, for, trade into the top five this year in the draft and get a Drake May or somebody like that. Really? Yeah. Which team do you think they would trade with? You have you have. I mean, honestly, Chicago because they have the Panthers. Um, uh, they have the Panthers picked for uh, this year. That's the number one. That's number one. Yeah. Honestly, those two teams have traded recently in the past year. I can see a scenario to where the Steelers could possibly trade for them one overall pick, and get Drake May. Um, like I said, that's very bold of me. It (laughs) most likely won't happen. Um, but if the Steelers feel like that they're a quarterback away, um, they could possibly go up and do that, make but it make a trade the like on, that. The only thing with trading for the one would be if you'd probably have to give away TJ. Just because, I mean, the Bears, they could always use some pass rush. So, I mean, I feel like if the Steelers would trade up to the one, like I said, you have they'd probably give away TJ, their first-round pick this year. If I had to choose between a legit quarterback and legit edge rusher, I'm picking legit quarterback 10 times out out of 10. I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat. As good as TJ is, as elite as he is, a a quarterback makes a much much more of a difference in the NFL today than it does an edge rusher. Yeah, and TJ's going to be 30 next season. He'll be pushing 30. I think he'll be 29. I I think he's 29 now. Okay. So I think he's he's had seven years in the league. This will be his eighth year upcoming. Yes, yes. So I think he'll be 30 this coming year. So, I mean – how many more years he got in him? Especially in his prime. Yeah. You don't know that. Yeah, it's always tough to say tell with uh, players as they age. It is. I mean, sometimes you have the freak exceptions where they last a really long time, but more times than not, they don't last. Look at J.J. Watt. Well, I mean, he was an elite player back in his day, but, you know, injuries caught up to him, and the last two or three years of his career, he was a shell of himself. You know, some would say he retired early. Like, it is, I think he retired at 33, 34 years old, or maybe even less than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, you, I mean, bottom line, elite, elite quarterback makes more of a difference than elite edge rusher. I, I, I'd do that 
every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, just looking at a list of players who are set to be free agents this year, I think this would be a fantastic signing for them if they could pull it off. Chris Jones, if they can get him from the Chiefs, he's set to be a free agent this coming year. He's he's your perfect Cam Hayward replacement. He's probably better. He will absolutely clog up that line on the on runs. He can rush the passer better. If they can get like a Chris Jones, I think that'd be great for him. So that'd be my bold prediction that they sign Chris Jones this offseason. I mean, that would definitely be a telltale sign that they want to win now. It's just I don't know how that makes sense if you if you're uh, replacing your third string quarterback with your first at the end of the year. I just don't know how you you as a GM or whatever think that you're in win-now mode. So it would be a bold prediction for them to do it. I just like, – like what I said, I just don't see it happening. But it definitely yeah. is a bold prediction. So in the – say the Steelers are stuck where they're at, probably around like what, around the 20 pick. What do They you are think? the number 20th. Number, number 20. 20. What do you think they'll be – say no no trades in account. They okay. don't trade or anything. What do you think they're going to be stuck taking? Um, well, it better be an offensive lineman, whether it be a center, which I don't think there's any elite centers in this draft. I think the best center is projected to be like late first, early second. So you could reach and get a center. Um, but I would, I would suggest getting, getting a tackle. Um, you know, I, I forget his name. There is tackle from Alabama. He's a right tackle. He would fit in perfectly. I know Dallas Turner's the defensive end. Trey, Trey Tucker? Is that the guy? Or is that someone else? Or, or is Trey Tucker the punter from Iowa? I've been seeing his name thrown around a lot, too, that the Steelers might draft him, just because he's a, he has a can, an absolute cannon of a leg, and uh, Harfin is awful. That's another thing that just shocked me, watching them against the Bills. J.C. Latham is the Alabama Latham. tackle. Yep. But... Harvin for the Steelers cannot punt a ball. His first punt was like what, thirty-one yards? I can go out in the in a back fucking yard and do that if I wanted to. Like, come on, man, you're an NFL punter. Take the fucking ball. And yet they've kept him <laughs> for the past three years. It, I mean, you've seen it time after time again. Sure, he can punt good at camp whenever the you know the uh the conditions are warm and the conditions are nice and everything. He can't punt worth a damn in the cold. You know, once you know November, December, and especially January kicks around. That's when you start to see his average plummet. Yeah, uh, and why they why they keep him around, I have no clue. I mean, there was a couple games this year where he missed due to an injury, and ex Steeler punter Brad Wing came in. He hasn't. I don't think he's played in a few years. He punted way better than Harvin did, and yet they didn't they didn't bother uh, keeping him around. So I they like what? Well, yeah, they definitely do need a new punter. <laughs> Who? Um, what are the realistic? Um. Steeler players you see leaving this offseason? Um, Quan Alexander, they only brought him back for, I mean, they only signed a one-year deal uh, last offseason. Had that terrible uh, uh, knee injury. Uh, I think it was against Green Bay or uh, the Titans, one of those two games. And, uh, you know, missed the rest of the year. And he's had a history of bad, in, uh, he's had a history of bad injuries over the years. I don't see him uh, coming back. But Anyone he's really else? the only notable uh free agent the Steelers have this year. Uh, um, Levi Wallace is to be a free agent. Oh, you don't re-sign him, no way. Montrevious Adams, Kill, uh, Killebrew, where, I mean, he's just a, he's a special teamer. He's a very good special teamer. He's a Pro Bowl special, te- special teamer. I see them, I see the Steelers signing him back. 
Um, Marcus Golden, like you said, Quan Alexander. Now you have Nick Herbig. Now you don't need you don't need yeah. an extra outside uh, linebacker. James Pierre, another that, special teamer. See all yeah. those guys. It's like cool if you sign them, and it's cool if you don't. You know, yeah. there there's no difference makers other than like I said, Quan Alexander, and due to his injuries and stuff, I don't see him signing Steelers signing him back. Yeah, do you think they, uh, apart from like TJ Minka, the guys you're gonna get a lot of value? You think like Deontay or George Pickens go anywhere? Maybe uh, they probably wouldn't trade like a Fryermuth, even though he holds some value. But no, think... they wouldn't trade Fryermuth or Najee or any of those guys. But I could see them. I can see them realistically trading one of Deontay and George Pickens. And I see of those two, I think Deontay is the one where you get let go because Pickens he's still under rookie deal. Yeah. he's only in his second year. Whereas Deontay, he's and he drafted in, what, 2018 or 2019, yeah. Yeah, I think Pickens definitely has a higher upside. If you get him, I mean, even with... Oh, 100%. Even with Rudolph having a better arm than Pickett, Pickens had a good end of the year once Rudolph stepped in as his quarterback. He yeah. did really well. Um, Whether that continues with Pickett, that's to be seen. But yeah, I think you're pro- you don't get as much value out of Deontay, but he's definitely the one you try to move. He's older. He's under, he's on like what twelve to fourteen million a year yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, I think he's around. I think he's around ten, eleven. Yeah, he's a head case and a half. So, yeah, that's probably why I've said Deontay, get rid of him. But it's all yet to be seen, just because we we're not NFL executives. We don't know what the hell they're gonna do. Yeah. they might be happy with their team. It's gonna be curious to see who the Steelers um, pick as their new OC. Um, you'd think you'd like to get that situated sooner rather than later, especially before uh, free agency hits. Because you know, if you have your offensive coordinator before, then obviously you'll know what type of players you need to get on offense via free agency and the draft and everything. So I'm looking to see the Steelers in the next couple weeks to hire a new OC. Um, now the Steeler way is to hire within. They Todd Haley was the exception in the past, I think, since the 21st century, where they brought somebody outside of the organization um, to an OC role. Um, do you see the Steelers promoting within, or do you think they, after already firing Matt Canada, which is something they haven't done since World War II, do you think they bring in somebody from outside to be the OC? Um, I think they do, just because with, what even was their name, Sullivan and... Faulkner. Sullivan and, and Faulkner. Faulkner. Even with them, you didn't see too much, um, anything too different from the Canada offense, I feel like. So I feel like that they will uh, try and go out and get someone. Just, I know, like, there's a lot of big-name head coaches floating around, but, I mean, I for some reason, that's just a big, like, coaching change year. So I think that they could probably go and pull someone away from another team. I mean, hell, I'd like to see someone... I don't even know his name. I don't know if he's any good or not, but he seems to produce talent. Like the Rams wide receiver coach, give that guy a chance. Shit, he produced Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. <laughs> give that guy a fucking contract. I mean, I have no idea who he is or anything about him, but apparently, John Doe. <laughs> yeah, apparently he can produce talent out there in L.A. So I mean, he sounds like a guy who could do decent if he's given a chance. You never know. You need to have something that's innovative and creative in the NFL today on offense. You know, yeah. you're running the offense. Um, and, you know, they all, the Steelers almost have to hire, you know, outside the organization. They can't afford to keep with the same tread and, you know, hire within and everything like that. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, demote those two back, you know, you want to demote Sullivan back to running back coach and demote Sullivan back to quarterback coach, so be it. You have to get an outside offensive coordinator who has an outside 
uh, perspective of the team and can be creative and innovative and, for the love of God, use the middle of the freaking field. Um, that's, that's the one area where they refuse to, and yet they have the weapons to be a creative and innovative uh, team that uses the middle of the field with guys like Pat, uh, Pat Frymuth down the seam and George Pickens you know, running those deep post patterns in the middle of the field. Um, you have Deontay Johnson running those you know, slant and shallow crosses in the middle of the field to create space for him. Um, you have playmakers on offense, yet you're not providing them with a situation to get them in the open field and do what they do best, which is yards after the catch. And yet they're a team where they're constantly in the bottom of the league in yards after catch because they're not getting their guys out in the open space. It's constantly working the sideline and the sticks and everything. It's like, no, middle of the field all day. Uh, they have to go out and get a guy like that from outside the organization and you know, I, I think they will. I think they will this year go out and get somebody. Now, who that is, you know, um, the Browns offensive coordinator, uh, I think his name was Alex Van Pelt, and uh, he just got released. Yet, with Joe Flacco, a guy on his couch, um, and all the injuries they've had without Nick Chubb, they did pretty well on offense, if you ask me. You know, yeah. they went through four quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks this year, and, uh, and you saw what they did with Joe Flacco, putting up consistent, you know, high 20, um, low 30-point games every game. Yes. Um, That's a name floating around out there. A quick Google search about potential offensive coordinators. I found um, this one article saying Arthur Smith. I would stay away from him. I wouldn't touch him. Yeah, I mean, you saw in Atlanta, he didn't know how to use Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson. Right there is red flag number one. Yeah. Um, Luke Getze, he uh, was fired by the Bears. He was the Bears OC. I mean, it's... I feel like his offensive style with Justin Fields is completely different than what he would be with the working with with the Steelers group. It just doesn't seem like a great fit. I think it's not the same type of quarterback style as Justin Fields. I think that would be an odd one. Uh, this one's interesting. Shane Waldron, he was the offense coordinator for the Seahawks. See, that'd I read, be pretty decent. I read about him, but he's another one that doesn't use the middle of the field. Really? Yep, it's all <laughs> vertical stuff down the sideline, and that's what the Steelers do not need is another guy like Canada. Um, where they don't use middle of the field. You cannot have that. I That would be a bad decision. And plus, I feel like it's easier in Seattle whenever you have a guy like DK and Tyler Lockett who, who are really good deep ball threats. You can play outside the numbers, and it's super easy for them. Yeah. But, I don't know, there's not a lot of names I'm seeing. Well, you need to get guys, around. like, off the coaching tree, like, from um, Shanahan, you know, whether it's yeah. the running back coach, wide receiver coach, whatever, like, McVay, like you said, with their wide receiver coach, you need to get guys from coaches or offensive coaches who are, like I said, creative and innovative and stuff like that. Those are the guys you need. Take you know, take guys off of those teams and put them into your staff because they know what the hell they're doing. Maybe go down and try and poach someone off of uh, Mike McDaniel's staff in Miami. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's touted as the next offensive guru in the NFL, so I mean... And he showed get... that with a quarterback. He can't throw the ball more than 50 yards. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... You can go out and get someone from his tree. Maybe, maybe he comes up to Pittsburgh and does some crazy stuff. You never know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking at just some other names, and yeah, nothing too crazy. But like, yeah, it's still during the playoffs. You never know. You know, teams are still deciding whether they, you know, the teams that missed the playoffs or just got eliminated. They're still deciding who to keep and uh, who to let go and everything like that. So there could be other names out there too. Um, you know, like the Washington. Uh, uh, football team commanders, or the hell you want to call them now. Um, yeah. You know, they just fired Ron Rivera. Um, now, Eric Bieniemy, he might uh, get promoted to head coach. And 
if he doesn't, if they if they hire somebody other than him, I can see Eric Bieniemy being like, "Well, screw this. I'm not gonna be a head coach here. I'm gonna leave." Yeah. So there now, there's a potential guy who I would love to see as OC mm. is Eric Bieniemy. So you know, depending on what the situation is, he he could be a potential candidate down the line. Yeah. Um, like just do another Google search. I actually found a guy. Uh, Jake Peets is his name, and he's the pass game specialist for the Rams. He's actually rumored to interview for the Steelers OC job. <laughs> and I would not mind that at all. That that's perfect. That is that is perfect. West Coast offense out of the McShi- out of the uh McVeigh uh tree, you could say. And that's a team the Rams they they probably use the middle of the field more than anybody. Yeah, and I mean the Rams they were not supposed they were not supposed to be good this year. Yeah. They were written off really early and they had a great offense. What they lacked on was defense. So I mean yep. you pull someone from that <clears throat> offensive Coaching tree, I think it's only a plus, really. Can't get any worse than what it has been. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like, you know, as free agency starts, which is in March, and the draft, which is in late April, you know, then we'll really uh, figure out and dive into. Get a feel know. for what they're going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, let's move on to the remaining uh, playoff matchups here. Uh, let's start off with first in the <clears throat> AFC. Um, you have. The Ravens versus the Texans, which is actually a week one rematch where the Ravens won 25 to 7 against the Texans uh, in the first week of the NFL season. So, uh, uh, who do you think uh, prevails in that game, and what do you expect out of this game, Corey? Um, I like the Ravens. Um, I like the Ravens because something <clears throat> that they've done really well is prevent the explosive play. Mm-hmm. They have, I believe it's the lowest, like, yards allowed per play in NFL history this season with their defense. So I think that's why they were able to dominate teams like the Lions, the Dolphins, the 49ers, teams that rely on explosive plays, and the Texans fall under that category. Mm -hmm. They haven't allowed explosive plays. So if you can limit that, I think they have a great chance to beat the Texans. Um, I think they will, but... I think that's why, like, a team like the Steelers do well against the Ravens because they don't rely on explosive plays. They slowly, methodically work their yeah. way down the field, you know, get four here, get another four, get five, just first downs and redo it all over. Yeah. So, I mean, the Ravens aren't allowing a lot of yards, but they're still allowing yards as they yeah. go down the field. As for a team like the Texans, Stroud, the offensive line seems to collapse. He drops back, throws a miracle ball to a guy who beat his man in one-on-one coverage. I don't think the Ravens will allow that. I think they'll play a lot of over-the-top safety to prevent that. So I think they'll make it tough for C.J. Stroud. So, yeah, I like the Ravens in that match. Okay. So I have one upset in this in this week's divisional round uh, matchups, and it's the Texans beating the Ravens. And the reason why I say that is because the Ravens all year, I looked at their schedule, they haven't really played any elite quarterbacks. And, yes, I know they already played C.J. Stroud in week one, but that was a rookie quarterback in the first week of the season. C.J. Stroud is playing like a top-five quarterback right now, they something play. the Ravens haven't seen all year. They played the Bengals once with a limited Joe Burrow. Outside of that, they haven't played any elite quarterbacks at all this year, except for, I guess I could say, Justin Herbert, the Chargers. But that was another Chargers hit that big lull in the season where they nothing was going right for them. Other than that, they really haven't played like guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, those types of quarterbacks. They haven't played them yet. I mean, they've played some really good quarterbacks. Though. They played Tua, Purdy. Oh, come on. I, I'm, I'm not a big, big Tua fan, but I'll just throw them out there. Purdy, 
Trevor Lawrence, Matthew Stafford, um, Jared Goff. I mean, there's some good quarterbacks. Good quarterbacks. I'm talking about elite quarterbacks. Jared Goff's up there this year. Jared Goff has been amazing. For the I still wouldn't call him an elite quarterback. I don't know. I just think, the, you know, I think there is something to be said where a team, um, they don't play. You know, Ravens have essentially three weeks off with their starters not playing, um, at least like Lamar Jackson them not playing against the Steelers in Week 18. Last time There's something they... to be said about Russ. And yeah. if they get behind 14, 17 points uh, to the Texans, and that offense is just clicking at all sailors like they get against the Browns, I can easily see a scenario where the Texans beat Baltimore, and that's what I'm predicting happens. The Ravens are rusty going into this game, just like the Texans did to the Browns last week. They don't jump right all over them, get out to an early lead, a big lead, a multiple-score lead, and uh, I think they have the right players um, to keep that lead and upset the Ravens. You said about the rust. That's exactly what happened to the Ravens back in, I think it was 2019. Against they the Titans. The, yeah, they were the one seed. They rested their guys week 18. The Titans came out, um, got a 14 nothing lead, and they the Ravens just could never recover. Exactly. So it was hard for um, the Ravens to knock that rust off. They were off to a slow start. So, I mean, playing from behind is always difficult. And so. the Ravens, what's the one thing that they have a hard time doing ever since Lamar became their quarterback? They cannot come back from behind to win. Yeah. Yeah, usually <laughs> usually they get ahead and they blow it, but yeah, Ex- or they just aren't winning. Yeah, exactly. So I if they if they get behind, which I think they will early, they're not built to come back from behind, especially multiple scores. They're not a – you know, I know they made some good additions this year, like Zay Flowers and stuff, where they finally have kind of that deep threat you know, down the field. But overall, they're still like one of those run-first teams and, you know – if they get behind, I'm sorry, but they're not that they're they're not a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes type team, or uh, Lamar's not that type of guy to where he can lead a comeback um, from that deficit. So yeah, I have the Ravens uh, losing this game. I have them losing 34 to 24. Uh, I'll take Ravens. What? Let's go like 33, 21. I'm sorry, that was 10 points. I meant to say 34-27, so it'll be a one-score game. <laughs> I'll go 33-21. Uh, I think Mark Andrews is supposed to be back as well. He will, but How he ain't going to play 100%. Him? He ain't going to play 100% of the snaps. Yeah. Um, Lamar being a division rival, how – say he doesn't win it, but say he leads the Ravens to the Super Bowl, he wins the MVP again, where – I'm not saying he's at the top anywhere, but where do you think Lamar would be – Amongst the greatest quarterbacks, if he leads his team to a Super Bowl and gets another MVP, like like in this year, like in this time, or yeah, like all time, this time frame, and then all time. Okay, so he'd probably be third. Um, I mean, it'd be obviously Patrick Mahomes is your clear cut number one. Then it'd probably be a debate between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I personally would have Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson. Lamar would be third, but I know a lot of people they'd have Lamar at number two. Um, so he'd be around right in there. All time. I, I mean, mean, he'd have two MVPs before 27, a Super Bowl appearance. If he gets MVPs yeah, this year. Yeah, he probably will. I'd say it's more more than likely he will. But, yeah, he would have two MVPs before 27, a Super Bowl appearance. appearance. Been the number one seed twice. I mean, it'd be tough to not say he's up there among some of the greats, just on personal accolades alone. Top 25, top 30. If, if he wins a Super Bowl, if he's a two-time MVP this year, if all that happens, and 
maybe top 30, but I mean, his his career is still like, young. he still has a lot of years left. He has, he has a lot of years to prove himself even more. He already has a lot of years to prove to everybody that, you know, maybe he's not what everybody thought he'd be. You know what I mean? You know, he's a guy that can lead you there, but uh, you know, when the going gets tough in the playoffs, you just can't seem to win it. You know what I mean? He'd be one of those, like a Philip River type quarterback without all the crazy stats because he does not throw the ball like Philip Rivers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, don't slander my boy. He almost, he almost beat the undefeated Patriots on a torn ACL. Don't almost. slander him. Almost. <laughs> Keyword. Um, no, I mean, Lamar coming into the league, I wrote him off. I was like, fuck. That type of what he did in college doesn't translate to the NFL. Yeah. But he has transformed his game. Mm-hmm. With Todd uh, Munkin into the OC job, he's made Lamar even better. Yeah. Uh, Zay Flowers has helped as well, OBJ as well, but he has completely transformed his game. He doesn't seem to be a run-first quarterback anymore. He likes to sit back in the pocket and make a pass, but you can't drop everyone back because you have to respect the run game for mm-hmm. him. Because if you if you drop everyone back and you're only playing a four-man pass rush, he's going to run for 150 on you. He's just way too quick, way too shifty. Yeah. So he's it's super tough to game plan for a guy like Lamar who can – as of right now, do it all. He he is good. Why do you think he's only ever beaten the Steelers once in his career? I think the Steelers just match up for him. Mike Tomlin sits there in, in his office probably and salivates over those type of games. Like, oh, I gotta shut this guy down. This will keep my job. If I can just beat the Ravens. <laughs> well, sadly, it's worked up to this point. <laughs> um. All right, let's go into probably the game of the week. Uh, I tell you what, let's save that matchup for last. Let's go with... Uh, Lions versus the wait, who do they play? Lions and Buccaneers. Lions and Buccaneers, yeah. In, in Ford Field again. Yep. Um oh by the way, did you hear that reporter say about uh art to Todd Bowles about are you preparing for the cold and stuff being up in Detroit? And he's like um, you know we play in a dome. You yeah. know we play inside, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. That that's just a reporter not doing any type of not research. doing any homework. Yeah, they're just like, Oh, they play in Detroit. What's the temperature in Detroit? Oh, it's to be cold. <laughs> What, hey, how are you going to prepare from going from Tampa to Detroit where it's cold? They didn't do any research on where Detroit actually See, that's plays. what you not do as a reporter, okay? What the reporter did to Mike Tomlin was fine. What this reporter did to Todd Bowles was not fine. That's just not doing your homework. Hey, but, I mean, Bowles had a respectful response. Yes, he didn't just he wasn't like, are call you her a dumb bitch or something. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, you do know we play inside, right? <laughs> but uh, I think this is pretty simple. Yeah, Baker's had a good year at the Buccaneers. That, you know, this move to Tampa Bay Seniors rejuvenated his career and everything. You know, they have the uh, unstoppable Mike Evans, a very good Chris Godwin. Um, Rashad White is running back, very good guy out of the backfield receiving the ball. Uh, I just think Detroit's just the overall better team. There's not much to – let's not overanalyze this. It's going to be the Lions. Probably – I would probably take their uh, – take the spread in this one. I think spread's like four and a half, three and a half, four and a half, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I would definitely take. I would definitely take that. Um, I do think the Lions will win. I don't think it will be as easy as you think, just because Lions they don't have a great pass rush, and the Bucks have a fairly decent offensive line. Um, both teams excel in the passing game, and that's where both teams are weak on defense. <laughs> so I think it'll be fun. I'm hoping for a high scoring game. I don't really have a horse in the race. Mm-hmm. Uh. My family likes the Buccaneers, so I'll root for them, I guess, subconsciously. But I do love the Detroit story. They're finally good. It's nice to see them doing well. Uh, Jared Goff giving the middle finger to the Rams is always fun. Mm-hmm. Six and a half is actually the spread. Yeah, but, I'd definitely take six and a half still. But I think the Bucs will give them a good game. 
if they would win, I wouldn't even be surprised, just because... I would be. I, I, I honestly wouldn't be. I just think, for some reason, this Bucks team is... They hit their stride at the right time. I think they're, what, 6-1 and one in their last seven. They're just... Yeah, since he lost to Buffalo in that primetime game, I think it was Thursday Night Football, I think they've only lost, like you said, one or two games since Yeah, then. they've been doing really well. Baker Mayfield's playing best football of his career, probably. Um, but I do think Lions will win. Give me... 33-27. I have this game 31-17. to Exact same score as the Bill Steelers game. Um, and then another one where I don't really think we should overanalyze is San Francisco versus the Packers. Yeah, the Packers. Yeah, the Packers uh, beat the Cowboys and beat them handily. Um, but San Francisco, there are they are the most loaded team in the NFL at every single position. There's At every single position or group you can think of, there's multiple pro bowlers in there. Multiple pro bowlers in the offensive line. Um, multiple pro bowlers, the wide receiver group, in the secondary, on the defensive line, in their middle linebacker. Like, they are, they're studs all around that roster. Um, barring a miracle, you know, Purdy getting hurt again, um, like he did last year in the playoffs, um, you know, barring something like that, 49ers are winning by double digits. Uh, I have them winning 33 to, 33 to 16. Um. I think a lot of it, oddly enough, relies on the coin toss. Because in this past game, whenever they played the, coin the, toss. the Cowboys, the Packers won the toss, and they wanted the ball because they, they figured out through tape the Cowboys don't play well from behind. So they wanted to ru- go down the field, get an early lead, and let Dallas play from behind. That is true. Yep. The 49ers are the same thing. Kyle Shanahan, especially in the fourth quarter, has a terrible career record coming from behind. If the Packers can get up early, they have – I think they have a chance. Jordan Love is playing insane right now. Uh, those young receivers are playing way past what they should be. They're playing through their potential. Uh, Matt LaFleur, <clears throat> apparently he's an offensive genius now. Like, he was always an offensive-minded coach. Yeah. But now he, he really showed against Dallas. Um, I think just the quality in players and some experience will bring Green Bay down a little bit. Um. So I think the 49ers will win. But I don't think it's going to be like a crazy score. I think it will be like a 24-17, to 24-13, somewhere in that range. Okay. I think it will be close. Okay. I, I give Green Bay some hope. They, they really impressed me against Dallas. Okay. Um, all right, last but not least, you know, the match, obviously the matchup of the week, Chiefs and Bills. Um, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the league face off against each other again. Uh, divisional rematch from a couple years ago, the whole 13 seconds and everything like that, that absolute mayhem in the last two minutes of the game. Uh, you think we see another game like that? No. I think the Bills are better now. McDermott is a little bit better of a coach. Josh Allen's got some experience. Um, I like the Bills in this one. Just Kansas City's offense has been off a little bit all year. Mm-hmm. Where Sure, they had a good game against Miami, but in those temperatures, it's a lot easier to cover up some of your mistakes because the offense, Miami's offense wasn't doing as much. Yeah. So, I think the Bills will give them a very tough game. I think the Bills will pull it out. I like, I think Josh Allen's just playing better than Mahomes right now. They have better weapons on offense. Defense is banged up, but I mean... You gotta cover Rasheed Rice. He's the only guy I'm really scared about, other than Travis Kelsey. But I think put two on Kelsey, put your best guy on Rasheed Rice, and 
just go for it. Mm-hmm. I think this is really the Bill. This is the Bill's best chance, even with all their injuries. This is their best year mm-hmm. to probably win the AFC. So yeah, I like the Bills. You hit the nail on the head. Bills have better weapons than what the Chiefs what the Chiefs do. The Bills don't have to worry about a Tyreek Hill like they did two years ago, whenever he was running rough shot the last couple minutes of game and you know just took over and everything. Um, you know they had the better weapons. Kelsey, the past half of the year has just looked like a completely different Travis Kelsey. Maybe it's father time. Maybe he's battling an injury that nobody's aware of. He's keep, they're, they're keeping really hush hush or whatever. Um, something's going wrong with Kelsey. He just doesn't even look like the same tight end we saw even at, um, la- uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I, I feel like that's going to be the difference in the game. Um, I feel like it's going to be a very close game. It's going to be another one of those, all right, you know, uh, who has the ball last type of games. But I just feel like the Bills, um, you know, they are kind of like a team of Destiny right now. You know, they were 6-6. Six and six. Then they face that gauntlet of, like, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, um, uh, even the Chargers, but I don't think they end up playing just Herbert in that game, right? No, Easton Stick only lost to him by three points. Though. Oh, that's right. That's true. Two, or two. I think it was 24-22. Yeah. So, I mean, they went in that stretch. They only had one loss in that stretch, and that was to the Eagles. They won every other game, and that just propelled them to the top, in my opinion. They, uh, you know, they're riding hot. You know, with a top quarterback, kind of reminds you of what the Steelers did in 2005, whenever they were like seven and five, and they won four straight, made the sixth seed, and they just got hot. Had the great quarterback of Ben, they won that amazing run for a Super Bowl, and I feel like this is what the Bills are leaning to right now. And I feel like they do avenge that loss from a couple years ago to the Chiefs, um, and they win a score of 27 to 24. It's gonna be three four point game, but I have it 27 24 Bills. 24-21 Bills. 24-21 Yeah, okay. Let, uh, let's hope there's no... I just want... For one time, I want a Bill-Chief game to not have, like, controversy in it. Yeah. The the uh, Kadarius-Tony offside. The one where the Bills gave up a field goal with 13 seconds left. Josh Allen didn't get the football. Yeah, in overtime. Like, yeah, yeah, in overtime. I just want there to be one Bill-Chief game without any controversy. Mm-hmm. I just want a nice, fair, clean game. Do you Where, think? Do you think we'll? What would be? I guess it wouldn't be poetic for the Bills, but you know, not for the regular season, but for the playoffs. If the team who has the ball first scores a touchdown, if they if they elect not to go for two, and they you know they don't get two points, they just kick the extra point. The other team is allowed uh, still mount a drive, and wouldn't that be something though? If the the game goes overtime, Josh Allen the Bills score a touchdown, and yet. Patch Mahomes still gets to drive down the field, and he scores a touchdown that Chiefs end up winning. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? It, it would, it I don't would, think that'll happen, but wow. It'd be the Bills' luck. Yeah, that, that would be the Bills' luck. Because of something luck. that happened to them, the league changed the rules, and then it comes back to bite them. Yeah, exactly. That would just be, the way the Bills have been the last couple of years, that would be their luck. Yep. I'd feel for him. I would really feel for him, because I like Josh Allen. Okay. So I guess you don't have any upset pick this week, do you? No, I think I went with the favorites and everyone. Favorites in each one. I just think it's all. I don't know. I just feel like it's clean cut. Yep. And I feel like you had the best team. Like there's no team that was eliminated where it's like, oh crap! If only that team would have won the wild card weekend, they could have made a run. You know what I mean? I think I feel like every single team um, was the better team. I mean, you can you can talk about the Cowboys all you want. The Cowboys are the Cowboys. They always lose in the they, first they round, weren't or at win, least the second round. They weren't going to win the Super Bowl, but yeah. I thought they'd make it to like the NFC Championship game just because they were playing at home, and they've been so good at home this year. See, when we did recording last week and didn't air, you know, obviously I picked the uh, Cowboys to win, and you know, I took I think I took the seven and a half spread or whatever, 
Um, but uh, even if they would have won, I would have picked them to loss this week anyway. That's just that's just who they are at this point, you know. <laughs> Ooh, they would have had the Lions this week. Yeah, yeah I might have picked the Lions. Yeah, they wouldn't have won. <laughs> they wouldn't have won regardless. Wait, would they? Because the Bucks won. Yeah, yeah the Cowboys yeah, were yeah. the two seed. Yeah, they would have had the Lions. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like I said just like earlier, I just thought it was really weird how you have two they weren't exactly historical, but they were pretty close to historical defenses with the Browns and the Cowboys mm-hmm. this year. And then it's in the playoffs, they don't show up. I just think it's really odd. I don't well, know. No, it just, that... it's, it's, it's conspiracy level stuff because, I mean, 45 points on the Browns and then, what, 48 on the Cowboys? And the Cowboys have been so good at home. And the Browns, they already, I get, was, wasn't with C.J. Stroud, but they already beat the Texans. I mean, I just it was just weird to me to watch it happen. I just think it goes back to my prior notion talking about the Steelers where an elite defense does not match up against elite quarterback play anymore. It just doesn't. Elite quarterback play is going to win almost every single time, and that that's what we've seen. We saw the better quarterback, C.G. Stroud, beating uh, Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? Like, um, And then the Cowboys, like, you know, yeah. That's they, probably better than Jordan. Probably. Better that's, than Jordan. that's very debatable. It's, it's debatable. That's, I'm just saying probably. Let's just say Dak's not an elite quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there we go. Even the, He was MVP there for a little bit. For a couple weeks. Yeah. But then that sink, uh, sunk there pretty fast. Yeah, once they lost, I think the, it was the Bills, the 49ers. 31-3. That, and whenever they lost to the 49ers, it sunk. Oh, at the well. beginning of the year. Yeah. I mean, because that always, people love to bring back the, anytime the Cowboys falter, they're like, don't forget it. Mm-hmm. There's no short, short-term memory loss with the Cowboys. I don't know. I just, I just think despite the good defenses, you know, I mean, the Cowboys, unless they've had a lead, their defense, has, I mean, they allowed 31 to the Bills. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think their that defense is that too. I mean, but, I mean, what do they always say? Defensive travel? Well, not the Cowboys' defense. Yeah. And they, they couldn't even travel to home. <laughs> and, and, that was, fight. and that was another thing. Like, the Packers' uh, defense this year has been pretty bad. I, a lot of guys hate, I think his name's Joe Barry. A lot of Packers fans hate that guy. And all of a sudden, yeah, they he, wanted them fired for the longest. Kind of yeah. like Matt Canada for the Steelers. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. He goes in and makes Dak Prescott look like a yeah. bush league player. Well, look what it's the, just weird. Well, look what Seattle did to that Cowboys defense too. Although the Cowboys won, they gave up like thirty-eight points. Yeah, you know, so it's not like this Cowboys defense was like this, you know, historic defense. Kind of like what the Browns were at most the point of the season. They were putting up historic numbers on defense. The, but the, at the end of the day, I just feel like when when uh, push comes to shove. That elite quarterback, that great offense, is going to overcome that great defense. Dallas going Dallas. <laughs> Dallas is going to Dallas, yes. Stephen A. Smith had himself a day. <laughs> Dude, uh, right after the game, I got on Instagram, and I saw Stephen A. Smith had a video up. I was like, here we go. And he's just laughing. He's just, oh, I, I told all you. I told everyone. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I, it's so funny to just bash on the Cowboys because you know it's coming. Yep. You, you feel for them. You know it's coming. I like with the Steelers. You know they're going to be one and done in the playoffs, go 9-8, and 10-7. and seven. It's like clockwork for both franchises. Um, um, what do you think something that's been floating around uh, Bill Belichick being available, where do you think Belichick's going to go? Where do you think is the best landing spot and the most probable landing spot for him? Well, I know he just interviewed with the Falcons either yesterday or the day before. It was the beginning of the week. I don't see him as a good fit with the Falcons just because they don't have a quarterback. You know but what I mean? They have... In free agency, they could get one, though. 
you go out and get a Kirk. Uh, Kirk Cousins. You would honestly think if Bill's your coach, you're you're going to have to go out and get yourself like a Kirk Cousins via trade, or maybe maybe they're in the Justin Fields sweepstakes in Chicago. You know what I mean? Um, Because obviously the Bears do that. They they trade Justin Fields, but then they're all they're not trading that number one overall pick. They are definitely drafting Drake May, Caleb Williams, one of those guys. Do you think? the Bears trade away the one because I saw a report that um, Caleb Williams wasn't declaring for the draft until he did he was conf- yeah well he wasn't going to declare until he was confident that he knew the Bears were going to trade away the pick or whatever until he was confident he knew what the Bears were doing because he didn't want to play for him so and then like two days later he declares for the draft so do you think the Bears are going to trade away the one I mean, everyone's so high on Caleb Williams. Imagine the, the draft capital you get for that one pick this year. Yeah. Um, You're getting more for it this year than what they got last year for Bryce Young. 100%. Yeah. If, you be, if you believe in Justin Fields, yes, you you uh, um, you trade that draft pick away because you don't need it. You know what I mean? You can, you can get so many other players um, in the draft with trading, the, with trading that number one. You're still going to have probably a good – like you like they did last year of Carolina. You know, they traded away the pick to Carolina, but then they got um, a first-rounder, like the number 10 overall last year, which is Carolina's pick before they made the trade. Then they have their first round this year, which is number one. Then I think a couple second-rounders and third-rounders. So, yeah, they can On do that. On top of they have DJ Moore. Yeah, exactly. So they can do that all over again. And, I and uh, um, yeah, I think uh, if they believe in fields, yeah, they'll trade that number one overall pick because why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean – I think a lot of it would just come down to money because Justin Fields, what, he just finished his third year, so he's going into his fourth year, last deal technically of his rookie contract unless they pick up the fifth-year fifth year option. option. Yep. So, I mean, you get two years max out of Fields on his rookie contract. Williams, you're getting five. Yeah. Five max if he pans out. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I think it's a lot going to be money-wise. But if I was the Bears, I'd, I'd probably trade it just because you can really set up your future. Even if Justin Fields isn't your guy – you can bank on another draft because you're going to get three ones for that Caleb Williams exactly. pick. So, exactly. I mean, I think, personally, I'd stick with Fields. Like I said, even if he's not your guy, just the capital is too good. Yeah. You, can, you can get a fucking King's Ransom for that one this year. Everyone wants Caleb Williams. I don't know why, yeah. but everyone wants him. But the Bears probably wouldn't be an option for Belichick only because they the Bears have already said that they're not firing Matt Eberflus, uh, yeah. their head coach. So, I don't think, you know, obviously that's not going to work out. I believe Bill Belichick's best fit is with the Chargers because the Chargers, of all the teams that got rid of a head coach or looking to fire their head coach, they have the best quarterback. And as as Bill Belichick is somebody who, you know, he can deny it all he wants. He wants to pass Dolan Shula for most wins all time as a oh, coach. 100%. He's and not he's like 24 he or 26 wins away. So that's no, still he, a couple uh, seasons. I think it's 16. I think he's 16 wins away. No, I think it's in the 20s because I, 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 I saw it. I'm like, damn, it's going to take at least two seasons for him to catch him. Uh, yeah, I believe quick. it's in the mid twenties that he's away. Here, we'll we'll fact yeah. check real quick. Damn fact checkers! Come on, uh, Bill Belichick is fourteen wins behind. It says fourteen wins behind. Yep. Okay, maybe they would, maybe that stat included playoffs too that I saw. Maybe maybe that's just regular season. But regardless, though, I mean it's hard to win fourteen games in a season. So you got to think, you know, at a minimum two years. Yeah. Yeah. He um. He has a chance to reach it, and your best shot of doing that is with a uh, team with an elite quarterback, and that's Justin Herbert and the Chargers. So I feel like that's the most realistic and the best spot for uh, for Bill Belichick to land. But I don't think he's interviewed with them. 
No, not yet. Or else the Charter Social Media team would let everybody know. <laughs> yeah, they, they're so active. But, um, yeah, he's just interviewed with the Falcons, I believe. That's the only team. Yeah, just but the Falcons. I think if they get a quarterback, I think he could do well down there. They have a pretty solid defense. It's a good All, run game. Yeah, they have a run game with Algier and Bijan. They got Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I think they could be he could do well down there. Yeah. Um he also, Bill Belichick, wherever he goes, he's gonna want I, I think they mentioned us Pat McAfee, I think it was uh AQ Shipley and a couple of those like former NFL players have admitted to this. Bill wants uh Bill wants to be on a team where he can take over the leadership, the culture, and all that stuff. He's not immediately. Gonna, he's he's not gonna work under somebody. He's not gonna have like a GM who's like, all right, I'm the GM. I'm in charge of the free agency, the trades, and the draft picks. And then whatever I give you to work with, that's your role. Bill doesn't want any part of that. He wants total and complete control over the roster makeup, the team culture, and everything that entails. Um, but he's gonna go to a team that allows uh, Bill to do that. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, whenever you're the greatest coach slash GM of all time. You have that right to go into a place and be like, no, I call the shots. Yeah. You want to win, you do what I say. Yeah. And, I mean, I think a lot of owners will cave to that because they want to win. But that's the thing, though. In recent past, though, he's had all this control of New England, but he hasn't been able to find the right quarterback. You know, he's had a lot of questionable draft picks over the years where you, you're like, what, they took that guy in the first round? Yeah, but he's had a lot of hits as well. Yeah, but none recently. They've all been in the past. It's not like, you know, he's had a hit on a couple – guys here in the last two or three years no they've all been five six years ago i saw a report that uh apparently belichick the year they got mac jones what was that 20 20 or 21 you know they drafted mac jones bill wasn't high on him bill didn't want mac jones bill was happy to wait till like the third or fourth round and get and why Davis did he draft him then? the higher ups just overruled him they said no we're taking him bill wanted well to the wait only for higher that would, that would be that is robert Kraft, and like chairmen and stuff but, so, I mean, yeah, he... he. I don't believe that rumor one bit. It's just something I saw. Yeah. But, um... I find that hard to believe, just put it that way. Just, just a report. But, um, I think the Falcons would be interesting. Honestly, I have a weird feeling Jerry Jones is gonna call him up, and he's gonna go to the fucking Cowboys. See, I... The Cowboys are right there, and I mean... Imagine if Bill gets a hold of that roster. They're already 12-5 and with McCarthy. Imagine what Bill does with them. And he brings that winning culture with him. Yeah. They wouldn't be seen as – I don't think he would let them – allow them to be seen as frauds anymore. Yeah. See, that would be a good fit if Jerry Jones was running the show. Jerry has a lot of input with that team. It's like what he says goes. But he's and also I don't old. think Bill would want to work under that, though. But Jerry's also old. He he wants one more Super Bowl before, before he's done, and Bill might give him that best chance. But is he willing to? Is he? Is Jerry Jones willing to take himself out of the equation and a hundred percent trust in Bill Belichick, or would he'd rather, as every you know, like a CEO in like some sort of corporation or owner of some sort of business or whatever, you know, they trust their own gut instinct on major decisions. You know, they rarely deviate. Like, let's say he's in a room full of like ten guys, and they all say, "Oh, let's do it this way." The owner still don't want to trust his gut, even though nine guys veto him. You know what I mean? I feel like that's Jerry Jones, you know, no matter how many people say, no, Jerry, you shouldn't do this, and everybody agrees, you know, at the end of the day, it's still Jerry Jones' decision, you know what I mean? And I feel like they would just, Bill and Jerry would just butt heads too much, and I think Bill knows that, and he just, let's just say, it. although, you know, it would be a good fit, it would be a good fit if Jerry wasn't there. I, I just don't feel like Bill wants to deal with that headache. 
I, I understand what you're saying with, like, the, the butting heads thing, but I think if there's one person Jerry Jones would take a backseat to, it'd be Bill. Mm-hmm. I think he's the only one. Okay. So, I I don't know. I, that like would, I said, honestly, that would be the best fit for him. But The, the just... team's built to win right now. They have yeah. good good enough quarterback, good defense. I mean, I think he could go in there and just run shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. Mike Grable, where do you think he goes? He's tough just because. I thought he'd be perfect if Tomlin left this year. Yeah, he'd be really good in Pittsburgh. It's just tough because you don't know which teams are going to pursue, like, Belichick. Belichick's obviously the one that everyone wants. I mean, he's he's a uh, organization-changing coach. He, he'll, turn th- he'll turn things around really quickly mm-hmm. just because, I mean, he has that ability. Um, I could see Vrabel going to – who's even available right now? I'm trying to think. What – it's, I don't think it's going to happen. I'll give I, – I could see him going somewhere like Carolina, someplace that needs an absolute reset, a culture reset. Mm-hmm. And I think they would give Vrabel the bag so to allow him to do that as long as the owner steps away. And I've heard some stuff about him that he's just very out there. He puts his nose into too many things. He's there a drink out of fan. <laughs> yeah. So I think if he would back away and let Vrabel do his things – I mean, I don't really like Bryce Young, but Bryce Young would probably be the best quarterback that Vrabel's ever had. Yeah, exactly. Which is saying something. Yep. So I think he'd do well down there. But what I, like I said, I don't think this will happen at all. But if I was the Eagles, kick Nick Sirianni out the door. I've never liked him, and get Mike Vrabel in there. Mike Vrabel would be so good in Philly. He's just, I don't know. Vrabel's a hard ass. Philly loves to be hard asses. I think he'd be fantastic there. Now I don't believe in Sirianni at all. Wasn't Nick Sirianni, was, was last year his first year, or the year before was his first year? I think the year before. I was about to say, so in the second year he took the team to the Super Bowl, and then, I mean, yeah, they definitely uh, pulled a 2020 Steelers and just completely collapsed in the last month of the season uh, and lost the wild card round. But I feel like, you know, done his second year or first year or however long it was, took you to a Super Bowl, it's hard to move off of him the year after that. I mean, I know it was a disappointing year for their standards, but there's, you know, it's one thing to be too patient like the Steelers are. It's another thing to be too uh, impatient like, you know, like the Browns were when they were hiring a head coach every other year. Um, I feel like you let it go for at least another year or two um, to pull the, uh, before you make that decision to fire him. I mean, I know you have Rabel right there just sitting there waiting to be had. Um, I just don't see the, uh, the Eagles moving off of Sirianni with them going to a Super Bowl just last year. And they have the quarterback. They have the offensive line. They have the weapons. Um, you know, I, I, I really think they've just gone a little bit too soft, especially in the secondary. You know, they're one of the worst secondaries in the league. If they can upgrade there in the back end, I feel like they're they're an NFC championship caliber team again. Yeah, just the way the Eagles fell off really hard at the end of the season, it almost didn't seem like it was the individual play on the field. It almost seemed like there was some behind-the-scenes stuff. It just seemed really odd that they were they were good, and then they just sucked. Yeah, that is kind of weird. So, I don't know. I feel like maybe Sirianni might have lost him a little bit, started going downhill or something. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's not that great of a coach. Maybe he's just being carried by the individual talent of the players, and whenever teams figured them out, he couldn't adjust. That could very well be. At the very least, he'd be variable would be a good fit as their DC. But I don't think Rabel would demote nah, himself. He, he's going to be a head coach. Yeah. He has to be a head coach. Another spot could be uh, uh, Las Vegas, the Raiders. 
Um, yeah, although like... if they don't hire Antonio Pierce, they're going to lose Max Crosby. He's already threatened to request a trade really? if they don't hire Antonio Pierce. Yeah. So, I mean, right there, he's arguably your best player. But see, the goal as a player to do that, I, I'm sorry, you don't do that as a, you know. Yeah. Be professional. Yeah, I mean, but apparently the locker room loves him. So, I mean, why not hire Antonio Pierce? He got, he had you, in theory, fighting for a playoff spot there at the end of the and year. And they beat the Chiefs in Mahomes. Yeah. It wasn't like they played a meaningless, meaningless game and beat him. Like, they, they, they beat him with all their starters in, you know Yeah, I mean? they beat the piss out of the Chargers. I mean, yeah. they were playing. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, the Antonio Pierce Raiders were playing good football. Yeah, with Aiden O'Connell as quarterback. Yeah. Could so, you see the Raiders possibly looking at the Bears like, hey, you have the number one overall pick. Maybe you trade that pick to us. Or if you don't want to do that, I'll shoot Sirianni's job be in jeopardy. Yeah, <laughs> told you. Um, you either trade us your first overall pick or you trade us Justin Fields. <clears throat> I could easily see the Raiders doing that because, you know, they're a team where if they get a legit quarterback. Their defense is. It's good enough if they have a good offense to win. Yeah. And with. Uh, I think Devontae's on his last year if he stays or not. I mean, you got a fantastic receiver. If you re-sign Josh Jacobs, you got a great running back. Offensive line can always be built upon, but I mean, then you have a good two, two and three receiver with um Jacoby Myers, Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro. Yeah, Michael Mayer as a rookie tight end. You have all of the building blocks for the Raiders to be good. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, even Rabel there wouldn't be bad. Right, Rabel. Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to think here. Uh, I think uh, what this is part of my take. They have the Falcons trying to get the Eagles. They're probably don't talk about Bill Belichick there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, let's go to our bets of the weeks here. So my bets of the week are just money line for the uh, playoff games this this coming week, the divisional games. So I picked the Texans, the Bills, the Lions, and the 49ers. So I'm gonna take them all. For my bets, and I'm gonna pick the money line for all those teams. Where I think Texans are plus 380 money line, which it's not Jesus. too bad. Um, I didn't get to do my bet today. I always, I just keep forgetting. I thought about it today while I was at work. I was like, <laughs> oh, I need to do that, and then I just forgot. But no, I'll do the same thing except uh, Ravens over the Texans. But I'll take spread for all of them. I okay. think they can all cover spread. That was one thing though. We, we only got one good game last week, and that was the Rams Lions. Every other game was a two score game. Yeah, it was a more. really disappointing wildcard weekend. Yep, very disappointing. But uh, I think I think we'll see it differently uh, for the divisional round. Though. We can only hope. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, a lot of the games last week it was watch the first quarter, and it's like, all right, what else can I do while this isn't on in the background? Yeah, you really. You didn't have to commit to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna wrap it up for this episode of Montreal Madness. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming on today, Corey, as always. And uh, see you guys next week. Hopefully this episode gets uploaded. Yes, it <laughs> will indeed get uploaded. Trust me, I paid my yearly subscription. It's all taken care of. And I got the automatic subscription, too, which I didn't <laughs> do that last time. So learn my lesson. <laughs> see you later, everybody.